Welcome back to another episode of the Out of Options podcast here on the 435 Podcast Network, 610sports.com and the Odyssey app. Please subscribe and download wherever you get your podcasts, whether that be the Odyssey app or Spotify, Google, Apple Music, what have you. If you like it, please give it a rating so we can share it with more and more people as we continue to tell the stories of Royals minor leaguers, how they got there, and hopefully... um, part of telling their story on their road to their debut here in the major leagues. No episode last week as I was on vacation, but we are back for the final basically two months of the minor league baseball season. And today I get to talk to Austin Charles. He's the 17th overall prospect on MLB.com, a 20th round pick in the 2022 MLB draft out of Stockdale High School in Bakersfield, California, just 19 years old and playing with the Columbia Fireflies in single A. You don't see a lot of 20th round picks, especially 20th round picks taken in last year's MLB draft, turn into top 30 prospects so quickly. But Austin Charles has made quite an impression in his year plus within the Royals organization. MLB.com writes that Charles is an elite athlete with a plus arm and raw power. At six foot six, he's not your typical shortstop, but that's where he's going to play for now because he has great hands, instincts, and a strong arm to stay at the position. Charles has the potential to be a dynamic player for the Royals, although it'll likely take some time to develop as he grows. He has all the tools to stay at shortstop, but he could play third base or the outfield as well. Austin Charles is the third player from the state of California who's been on this podcast, Samad Taylor, just east of Los Angeles, Chandler Champlain, just south of Los Angeles from the Orange County area, but Austin from the Bakersfield part of California, which is about two hours northeast of Los Angeles, and that's where we started our conversation, as I don't really know much about that area, and I wanted to ask Austin what it's like growing up in Bakersfield, California. Uh, Bakersfield, I feel like it, Bakersfield's a place where, um, as a kid, I feel like it's a place where you kind of want to be. Um, everybody thinks Bakersfield is just like the worst place in, in California and the worst place ever to be, but uh, just from growing up there, there's actually, we have some things that, that are fun to do there. Um, we have it all. We could go bike riding or go to the field we have a little the atmosphere is like a little it's city but it's also country at the same time depending on what part you're in but um yeah Bakersfield for me it'll always be home and um I feel like it's not as bad as what everybody else says it is does it have a bad reputation inside the state of California and if so why I think a lot of people just haven't been there it's kind of a place where if you drive through you kind of have to drive through it to get to Sacramento or from Sacramento to LA or LA to Sacramento for right in the middle. And just, I think from like the freeway and like the views that they get, they think it's just like the super country. Like that's kind of like what everybody thinks. So like farms and stuff like that. But um, I feel like if you really like take a, take a trip and try to get to know the area that you would end up liking it. It's, I would say it's kind of similar to L.A., just minus all the, like, the traffic and all that. L.A. would be a top city if it wasn't for the traffic. So, yeah, it's, that's sure. a good – for sure. Um, are your parents from Bakersfield? How how did they end up there? Yeah, so both my parents are both born and raised in Bakersfield. And my mom my – mom from she, she grew up in a place called Lamar, which is like 30 minutes – or like 20, 20 to 30 minutes away from, from Bakersfield. And my dad grew up on like – more of like the east side of Bakersfield and they connected through sports. Um, my mom was a all American volleyball player. My dad played basketball and 
went to Boise State, and they're like two of the best athletes in town around their time, and ended up getting to know each other. And so, sports were always going to be a thing for you in that household. Yeah, for sure. Everything we do is competitive, and so I've I've had a couple California guys on from the from the Royals organization, Samad Taylor, uh, Chandler Cham- uh, Champlain. Samad was a big Kobe guy growing up, and I would assume that you were of that generation of watch. I don't know if you're an NBA fan, but it's hard to ignore Kobe in the state of California, especially in the kind of greater LA region. Was Kobe someone you looked up to? Was he like an idol of yours, like a lot of kids in California in the 2000s? Yeah, for sure. Kobe Bryant's always been somebody that I've looked looked up to. Um, I've always been a Lakers fan, so he's a player that I've always grew up watching and just like the mindset I think mindset's the biggest thing like he's not just out there just playing only for the love of the game but playing because he wants to dominate in everything he does whether that's on or off the field and that's something that I kind of like to to model myself after like mentally like especially with baseball like it's a tough game there's a lot of mental aspects to it and a lot of failures um, I mean, just part of the game, and yeah, I've always looked up to Kobe. A lot of people in Kansas City kind of remember the day because, you know, the Chiefs had just made their first Super Bowl in 50 years, and and Kobe died on the Sunday before Super Bowl Sunday. Do you have a recollection of that day? I mean, what was that like for you growing up and and in that area of the world? Um, For that day, I think I I was actually asleep. And um, I just remember my parents and, and everybody just kind of, like, sad. And obviously, everybody was just hurt because it was so, like, unexpected. But, um, yeah, I remember I just rolled out of bed and was wondering, like, hey, why is, why is everybody down today? And once you go on social media, you see all the, all the stuff about what, ha- what had happened to them. Are the Lakers your favorite professional sports team? Who did you grow up watching, baseball or otherwise? I grew up a uh, Dodgers fan for baseball and a uh, Lakers fan for, for basketball. But I feel like that's kind of – I'm from California, so I feel like that's pretty, like, normal. But I never really liked the Angels at all. I've always been a Dodgers guy and kind of just stuck to it. All right, so the Lakers obviously, you know, got swept by the Nuggets a couple months ago revamped a lot of free agents coming in one last run for lebron ad does lebron get one more championship to socal honestly based on how we've been playing i think i think we can get it done but i think we have a lot of some some chess pieces to to make and i feel like we gotta just actually sell out there's sometimes where i watch the Lakers games and i'm like hey you know but like we're not really giving it our all i feel like we're kind of just out there sometimes so i think that if we get some Maybe a couple of younger guys that, that bring more of that energy. You know, you got good leadership on the team already. Um, I think we have a chance to go for one more run. Did you play any other sports besides baseball in high school? Um, and I want to get to, you know, you're 6'6", and I want to get to your growth spurt here in a second. But what other sports did you play growing up? Uh, growing up, I've always played uh, basketball and baseball. Uh, in high school, I played basketball my freshman year. And... From that point, I could I committed to UC Santa Barbara my sophomore year of high school, and I just didn't want to get hurt. I wanted to make sure that I could really focus on baseball and see 
I mean, sophomore year, you're not really thinking like it's a obviously it's a goal. Like, hey, I want to get drafted. Um, but you kind of just I just want to see how good of a player I can really get if I really just dedicated myself to it. So yeah, I played basketball. When did the growth spurt happen for you? What age? Um, I was about a sophomore to like my junior year. So around like 16, 16 years old. My sophomore year was brutal, like running, walking, everything just hurt. I was running all awkward. And so, yeah, I would say really my sophomore year is whenever it was really, really killing me. And that was actually my next question. It's always like an awkward time, right? Like you're not used to being 6'4", six, 6'5", six, all of a sudden 6'6". Six, six, you're used to doing stuff at six foot, six one, six two, whatever it was. You obviously committed to UCSB really early in your high school career, but how difficult was that transition of, of kind of getting taller, but then still developing those skills in, in baseball? Yeah, it's for me it was for sure very difficult. I mean, growing up, like you said, you've always I was I would say I was always on like the taller end, but you, you get accustomed to doing stuff a certain way. And as you grow, it could be an inch, it could be half an inch. Everything gets thrown off, especially with baseball, like the swing. So there's a lot of like polishing and things like that that you have to continue to do. And it just takes reps and time. And the more that you like grow into your body, um, for me, the more I grow into my body and start to get bigger and it just takes a lot of reps. And like I said, once, once something, once I grow a little bit, everything gets thrown off and I'm trying to fix it. So. Was it harder for hitting or pitching the growth spurt? For sure, hitting. You have a lot of you have a lot of movement, moving parts, uh, long limbs. So, trying to, I'm still learning as as we speak, but trying to maximize everything that I can get out of my body. Um, I'm fortunate. I got I got the reach. Um, I got the long limbs. I got everything. I got the tool set. So just learning how to how to use everything I got and maximize it. So I always tell people that I'm never going to have enough money to retire to San Diego, but my second choice would be Santa Barbara, maybe the most beautiful place in the entire world. You ended up, as you mentioned earlier, committing to UCSB uh, to play baseball there in your sophomore year. Walk me through why that was the right school for you and why that was the right pick at the time. Um, at the time, so UCSB was actually one of my first offers, and I actually wasn't really I wasn't sold on them like right away. I wanted, I was young. I wanted to, to see like how far I could get and see what other schools I could really talk to. But I mean, from like the, the coaches that were there and the time period for me, everything was just lining up. Like in California, it's not too far away from the family, only a couple hours. They could come see me whenever they want to. But at the same time, um, I'm by myself. So it's not like, they're there to like hold my hand or anything like that. I wanted to be somewhere where I could, you know, be free, be on my own. And it's in California. It's on the beach. Um, good baseball program. And the biggest thing was a lot of guys got drafted out of there. So I knew that that was a good opportunity in itself for me to, to get to the next level. I'm not going to lie. I would never be in class. I would, I would have been on the beach three, six or 24 seven, like, that distraction would have been tough for me, but where, where else did you get recruited to? And did you enjoy the recruiting process? Some guys don't. Yeah. Um, I had a couple other offers talked to a couple other schools. Uh, I talked to USC, University of Miami, most of the, most of the California schools I pretty much talked to. 
I had a couple, I think I had about like six, six or so offers. Talked to Cal a lot at one point. What other, you said what other school would, would I have? What was that? Or, or just did you enjoy the recruiting process? Okay. Yeah, the recruiting process for me, everything went smooth. Um, I had, I like to, I like to go to the, the campuses and go to the camps and stuff and just kind of see, because the schools you see and you don't really get like the background of them. Like you're like, oh, that's, at school, at campus, at school, but being on campus, you start to learn more of like the history stuff, like that. Um, what it really takes to to be a winning program at wherever the campus is. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. So we get to you know June or July of 2022, and and the draft is coming around. Had you had conversations with the Royals? What was your what was the thought process going into last year's MLB draft? I knew I was, or I felt, I felt like I was in a good spot. Um, my high school season was, was really well. Uh, the pre-draft workouts and everything I did went really well. Um, I felt like I was in the driver's seat going into the draft. And something that me and my family always talked about was, hey, just because you played a certain way or you did something a certain way doesn't mean that things are just going to be lined up. Like, it's a draft. Things happen. So we're not going to go in there. Assuming that anything, we're not assuming anything. We're just going to go with the flow and what happens, happens. At the end of the day, I was a high school kid that was in the talks of getting drafted out of high school. Like, that's something that you really think about it. That doesn't happen like at all. So just being in the situation was, was huge for me. Um, but yeah, going into it, we didn't have really much expectations. The Royals, honestly, didn't even really talk to. I talked to them. I had like one meeting with them and that was during Jupiter. They had like a little orientation that they do learn about the organization. But in the draft, I had no talks until later on, like second, third day. And so I think what's interesting about the MLB draft, and I get a lot of feedback from people like trying to learn more about this MLB draft as this podcast has gone on. You know, a lot of people see the NFL draft and the NBA draft. You get drafted by that team, you sign a contract, it's pretty cut and dry. The MLB draft's a little bit different in which there's money involved, there's agents, there's there's dollar amount depending on the, you know, the the round in which you're selected. You were selected to end up in the 20th round by the Royals but signed for fourth or fifth round money. Can you kind of describe to people like that draft process and how that all plays out and it kind of through your world? Going through the draft, um, you have like a couple calls. They they primarily talk to your agent, and they're throwing out prices and what it will take to get you, what it will take to get you drafted or to be a part of that organization. So for me, I didn't really have any talks with any of the teams. I let off. my agent do it all, and I kind of just watched it. And my agent would call me saying, "Hey, this is what we got in this round." Or if you have a meeting leading up to the draft and there's you, you set you set marks. All right, I'm looking for this first day. Second day I'm looking for this. And then you start negotiating. They you at the end of the day you're trying to get what you can for yourself, but the team is also trying to, to get as much as they can for what they got. So it's kind of give and take. Um so yeah, signing for around like fifth round slot in the twentieth we just came down to uh, what the Royals had left um, during that time, we had more. We had conversations leading up to being drafted in the twentieth round. I didn't even know that they. Honestly, I didn't even know they drafted me until 
had a bunch of people just start blowing my phone up saying, congrats, congrats, congrats. And I had no clue because I, I wasn't, I wasn't watching the draft at that time. So getting the call, getting the call is just, it's an amazing feeling what, no matter like what round it is. Um, but yeah, so I didn't know how much money they had in their pool or anything like that. And as, as time kind of went by after the draft, we were able to, to negotiate something, work something out. What were you doing during the MLB draft to kind of keep your mind off of it? The first day I watched the draft, of course. Second day I watched a, a little bit of it. And then I came to the realization, like, all right, well, you know, I'll, I'll be back. I'll be back in three years. I'm going to UCSB. I'm going to try to minimize, try to get as much as I can. I, um, at the end of the day, we all we all know what kind of players we are and the potential that we see in ourselves. So I had, I had, I had a little like layout of, of what I expected and what I wanted, but yeah, going into the draft that I just started hitting in the cage. I was like, you know what? Let me just, I'm going to go in the cage. I'm going to get some work in, um, hop on the video game. There's just a bunch of, there's a bunch of just like little things you do just like, everyday life things for me at least um i was just on the game and then everybody just started blowing my phone up and i was just lost you literally found out from friends family via text that you had been drafted it was not sitting around with family waiting for the call i mean that's a different story than a lot of people yeah yeah so i mean we sat there we sat there and waited um for the first and majority of the second day and after the second day we're just like all right well there's no way that we're going to get what we want or anything close to what we want third day. So, um, you know, you just kind of, you take it all in and you say, you know what? All right. It is what it is. I'm not going to sit here and, and dwell about it. We're just going to, we're going to get to work. So and, I assume once the offer came through, there was no hesitation. You were going to, you were ready to start your pro career and, and you, you say goodbye to UCSB. Honestly, whenever I got the offer, I, I was like, I'm going to college. Um, appreciate you guys. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. But I was set on college. I, I knew I wanted to, to try to get more. And I knew the kind of player I was. And um, so, yeah, I was going to go to college. And then uh, Dan actually called me and said, hey, you know what? I want you to I want you to come down to AZ. Just check it out. And if you like it, you know, think about it. If not, then it is what it is. But, you know, we left it a lot at the table. And. It is, it is whatever you make it. So um, I actually went to Arizona. I had just kind of watched what everybody was doing and got like a more of a feel. I had an older brother that went through the process, so I already had an idea. But being there, I realized that I was going to sign uh, for in the round that I was taking in that that was probably going to be the team because just the atmosphere. Everything was just lined up perfect. Everybody was just there to work and there to win. And, you could really feel it, like just being around the guys every day. Some guys use draft position as like a chip on their shoulder. Does it does it bother you? Does it motivate you? You know, hey, I'm a 20th round pick, but here I am. I'm I'm playing pro ball. I'm a top 30 ranked, you know, player in the organization. Is is that something you use as motivation? Yeah, for sure. Um, being taken where I am, like you said, 20th round pick, picked in the last round. Those are just things that that, like you said take it as a chip on my shoulder and at the end of the day we're all here not just because of the round that you're taking in doesn't really define the kind of player you are like 
it's all it's just opportunity given. So I, I thank God every day for the opportunity that uh, I've been that I've been given. And like you said, it's just more. It gives me more of a reason to, to get to work and prove everybody wrong that that has hated or that's doubted me throughout any time period. You did a little bit in Arizona last year. Um, I think it was pretty brief, maybe three, three or four games, something like that. But you show up to spring tra- training earlier this year in February, March, whenever it was. You're 19 years old, and I know the big league camp and the minor leaguers are a little bit split, but is that tough for a, a teenager to walk into seeing grown men and future Hall of Famers like a Zach Greinke or Salvador Perez walking around and, and sharing that facility? Is that something that's intimidating, or you just put your head down and go to work? Uh, for me, I just put my head down and go to work. Having those guys in the locker room wasn't for me. It wasn't like, oh, that's going to like the end of the day. This is this is the job now. Like, I have the potential to, to possibly be there whenever the time comes. It could be a couple years. It could be five years. But you go into that in the locker room thinking like, oh, like that's so. And so I feel like I feel like you kind of you kind of already lost. Like obviously we look, we look up to a lot of the guys that we have here, but um, I use it all as knowledge. I, just try to pick their brain and get what I can from them because they got, they got, they were in the same situation as me at one point. So just learning from them and doing what I can to, to put myself ahead. Did you have a welcome to pro ball moment at some point in that spring training? Someone broke off a curveball that you're just not going to see in high school. Um, and if so, give me that story. Yeah, I, I for sure had my, my welcome to pro ball. Um, and the easy, in the ACL game, um, I feel like like normal, like it, it was just another game. But as like in strikes came around, that's in like the bridge season. That's whenever I was like, all right, I got I got some work to do. Um, I just need to get a bunch of keep getting at bats, and it's only gonna put me ahead. But yeah, I had a I had a time period where I was just caring every single at bat, and it was just like it was almost like you know what, going up to the plate. It was just like I mean. You can take the bat if you want, but you're not hitting anything. Like, <laughs> good luck out there. Um, and so I, I was coming out of high school. I'm like, all right, these guys are going to get – they're going to challenge me. Like, I'm a high school kid. I'm going to get some heaters. They're going to try to prove their point. And then you realize, oh, all right, well, I've seen two fastballs all week. I'm see, It's all sliders and curveballs. So learning shapes coming out of the hand, like the approach at the plate, like having having a good approach and – things that you're looking forward to or you're looking, you're trying to see at the box. It's kind of helping me. And obviously we're still trying to get better, but yeah, just learning how to hit the, the off speed because coming out of high school, everything's not everything, but you have a couple guys that have some good stuff, but it's mainly like, all right, what's well, a hanging curveball? It's popping way too early. I'm seeing everything so good. And they're also not throwing a hundred in high school. You might get a 95 every now and then or 92, but yeah, for me, it was just, just getting that bad. You played high-level high school baseball, whether it was travel teams or just the, the talent in California in general. But for people who don't understand, I mean, just how big is that jump from your high school competitions, whether it's travel or your high school team, to even instructs in the Arizona League? Yeah, um, coming out of high school, um, professional baseball is just – everybody's a little bit more polished now. Um everything they throw is moving in a certain direction. It's either sinking, it's a rise fastball, it's cutting. The sliders are come out looking like fastballs until they're not. Um, so for me, it was just 
just getting the repetitions, um, understanding like, hey, because I mean, coming out of high school, obviously we're, we're committed to, to certain colleges and things like that. But then you you start to face guys like, oh, this is because like, I mean, in high school, I was watching the college world series, of course, and things like that. So you get up there, you're like, oh, this is so-and-so from whatever college. And so those are just like like barriers that some guys face. Like for me, I liked it. I was like, okay, well, this is this is at one time the best kid in college baseball. Let's see where I stack against him. Like let's let's compete. Let's see who's better. Um, so just facing the best of the best from everywhere. Like in high school, I might have been one of the best in my areas, but I'm facing the best player in every single part of the US, not even the US, but the Dominican. Um, so you're just facing the best players from wherever they come from. So you've also had an interesting story. You're now in Colombia, but I, which I want to get to in a second. But can you walk me through your kind of 2023? Because spring training is roughly February and March, right? But mm-hmm. what did you do from April, May, and then part of June? Because you played in, I think, two Arizona League games in June, right? Before getting called up. But what do you do in those three months between the break of training or spring training to those two Arizona league games? Yeah. So honestly, we do the same thing that the, that the affiliates are doing. Like we're still getting to the field early. Um, there's a, there's a lot more um, attention to detail during that time. in AZ it's mainly the younger guys. So they're just laying down the basics of everything. Base running, um, tendencies that to pick up for for like long term um, hitting in the cages. We're doing everything that we're doing now. It's just more to a higher extent. Um, we're playing games every day, just like the affiliates. They're just games that aren't like they're like they're keeping track of stats, but it's not something that's like released out to everybody. It's mainly just get the work in, work on stuff, and it's just yeah, you're just there to to de- develop your your, your skill sets and. Get, get extra work. So then you play, you, I mean, I'll call it recorded games where stats are actually sent out. You only played two games, and then they were like, all right, that's enough. You're going to Columbia? That's quick. Yeah, it was it was a quick switch, and the call came. We had we actually had a couple. I think we had two off days, and then I, I randomly get a I get a text from, from uh, Jesus, and we start talking. He's like, hey, start packing your bags. You got a flight tonight. It just it all happened so quick, and I I think there's there's ways to go about it. Some guys they get discouraged that they're that they're in Arizona and they take it to heart. Obviously, that's not like you don't want to be in Arizona, but you know, when time's right, it'll happen. So for me, I just took it all in. I took it as a learning experience. Um, I just took it to as time to get better and develop. I was never really down. Like, oh, I'm here, whatever. I don't want to be here. I just continued to work, and I knew I knew God had me. And when the time came, it would come. How are you enjoying Columbia? Uh, you've been there for roughly a month or so. Are you in, enjoying the city? Enjoying the team? Enjoying kind of the the Carolina League? Yeah, um, I'm honestly loving it. Just taking it all in. We have we have nice crowds. Cool. Just like everybody, everybody having your back, like especially on the team, like. We're all here to win. We're doing everything we can to win. It's a winning atmosphere. We hold everybody accountable. We're all just trying to get better. 
and yeah, just traveling around around South Carolina. Like I never, I never would have thought that I would just be traveling in South Carolina playing pro ball. If you asked me, like my freshman year of high school, I never thought I'd be in this situation. So, uh, just taking it all in, and yeah. One of the things that I've I talked to Ben Kuderna and and Frank Mazzucato about this on on previous podcasts who've recently been called up to Quad Cities, but I think one of the things that they really impressed upon me is that 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 Columbia team has a lot of kids of the same age. So you're going through, you know, life for the first time outside of high school or the home together, you know, on field and off field struggles together. And you kind of build these bonds of just learning how to eat by yourself, learning how to get to the stadium on time. Um, Is that something you're going through and enjoying as well? Yeah. um, Like you said, we're just, like you said, we're going through life together. And we kind of, we all stick together. So on the off days, we like to go floating at, at one of the rivers that, that's out there. So just building those, these are times that you're never going to get back. So just maximizing those times. Um, like you said, we're all cooking together, like after the game sometimes or on the off days. Um, we're all going through the same thing, just to, to different levels. Like we're all different mentally, but we all got each other's backs and, we're all in it together, like you said. So yeah, it's something that's huge, especially being here with kids your own your own age. Um, some people you can get caught up in, oh, everybody's older than me. Um, they got more experience, and kind of sometimes people will get there's like sections, and it's not like that at all here. We're all together. We all hang out. We all we all want to be together too. It's not like we're anybody's close or doesn't want to be there. We enjoy our time together. Have you adapted to the South Carolina, Carolina's barbecue scene at all? Yeah, I've had a couple, couple different um, like time periods going, going to get the food. Usually, I'm at the field all day, so we'll get like catering and there'll be like some good stuff. Um, I, I've explored a little bit uh, around South Carolina, and yeah, I'm enjoying it. Have you, I should stuff. have asked. Have you had a chance to come to Kansas City at all? I've been to Kansas City. One time, so every year, the guys that were drafted, we have a, it's called an orientation. So we all go together and we go and we go to Kauffman Stadium and we have meetings. It's about the organization, what it means to be a Royal. And so, yeah, I've, I've been there one time. We stayed like downtown and got a couple, a couple of barbecue spots there. It's a good time. Do you guys talk about like the major league team? Are you keeping up with other levels of the affiliates? How does that work? Yeah, uh, in the clubhouse we always have everybody's games on, so we have all the most of the affiliates. Like, just depending on who's playing during that time, we're always watching the the, the major league guys playing. Um, yeah, we're for sure we're all tuned in, and you know we just want to see everybody succeed, everybody win, and eat. So we do what we can from, from our part. Um, we try to hold it down at the level we are, but also we're supporting our brothers at the other levels too. Okay. Before we go on the bus, which we do to end each podcast, I ask everybody this and you've only had one opportunity in one spring training, but have you met Zach Granke or do you have a Zach Granke story? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I didn't, I have a couple, I have a story, but uh, I never really just sat there and like, met him but i had a there's an incident not an incident but there's a time where i was making a protein shake so in our gym there's there's like a clear glass window 
And on the other side, it's like an office. Um, it's like the major league, like where it's like their, let's see, it's where they do all like their, their assessments and like how they get warmed up. It's like their training room. It's a major league training room. And so, yeah, we have the glass window. We have our little shake station on the inside part of the gym. And the window, I'm not really, it's not something that people just look through. Like, you can't really see too much. It's a little bit darker. But I'm making my shake, and I just have, like, a feeling that somebody's just staring at me. So I'm just kind of, like, I turn around. We have a couple of the major league guys, and they're working out. No, nobody's looking at me. Finally, I start to put the protein in, and I look up in the window. You can see, like, the reflection. And there's just that grinky right there, just sitting there looking, just looking around. And then we make eye contact, and I'm kind of, I didn't realize like who it was. It was like early, early spring training. I didn't even know he was there yet. So I kind of like hit one of those, like a, what the heck? Like, <laughs> how you doing? Like kind of thing. And he just kind of, he didn't say anything. He just looked at me. And I was like, ah, oh. like, is that drinky? What a guy. Like, he's just funny. Like I held the door for him one time and he just walked in. He, he saves himself, but he gets to work and he performs. So. That sounds very on brand for Zach Greinke with uh, some of the other stories from from the guys at spring training. So that sounds about right. Let's let's go on the bus. It's rapid fire, random questions to get to know you better on and off the field. Um, it's how we end each podcast here. What's the best part? What's the worst part of being six six? The best part is being able to to get to things and do things that a lot of people can't. The worst part is the knee pain that come with it. <laughs> That's like the worst. Like. My knees always, always killing me. Like, it can still be growing. I think I'm still growing, honestly. So I think it's like growing pains. But as of now, that's like the, the toughest thing. How tough is the bus or the bus trips? The bus trips, honestly, we take two buses, so I'm able to, to stretch out. So they're not, they're not bad at all. But it's like whenever I'm like on airplanes and stuff, that's never. It's the worst. Just from being stuck, like the chairs are hitting. The chair in front of me is on my knees. I feel like I can't move. Or if I move this way, I hit the guy next to me. So just, I mean, it happens a lot. Just in the car rides, like I'm always in the front seat. You will never catch me in the back seat because my knees are hitting the seat in front of me. Horrible. Speaking of 6'6", six, six, you, you said you're an NBA fan or a Lakers fan. Give me your all-time starting five NBA. All-time starting five. Or just like your favorite five, Magic, either one. Magic Johnson, Kobe, Kobe Bryant. You got to throw. I think I feel like you got to throw Jordan in there. Uh, Kareem. See, this is this is gonna be. It's gonna show my age. This is. I'm just gonna say this isn't like the all time starting five, but for my time, I'll throw in. I'll throw LeBron in there as well. I mean, this is basically just the Lakers and and MJ, which is fine. By the way, it's not yeah. showing your age. You had two guys who played when you weren't even alive. So I mean, you, you got different. You got different decades represented here. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Yeah, I guess so. No Shaq. <laughs> he doesn't make that list. No, I'm not done. I'm not done. Shaq in there. Okay. He's, he's a dog, though. He's a dog. Do you have any pregame superstitions? I'm, honestly, I don't really. I'm not like super, super superstitious. I mean, I put on. I put on my left sock before my right sock always. That's just something that is part of the routine. Um, there's not, other than that, there's not really much, much else. It's kind of go there, leave it on the field. 
you're wearing number eight. I think you have number 25 in your social media profiles. Is there a reason you wear eight? Was that assigned or what's the reason behind 25? Um, I grew growing up, I was number 25. My mom's favorite number was seven. So um, I was super five was obviously seven in Arizona. Um, I was 34 and now I'm eight. So, I mean, I take it as a, as a Kobe, I think it was just a Kobe symbol, like, you know, hey, stay, stay mentally right, uh, keep putting in the work, and you know, the rest is going to handle itself. So, yeah, I'm rocking with the number eight. What was the most trouble you ever got in as as a kid? And what did you do? Most trouble? Yeah. I never did anything, like, like, that would ever get me, like, arrested or anything like that. No, I, I just mean more, more in trouble with, like, your parents. <laughs> I did. I've done a lot of bad stuff and gotten a lot of whoopings. Um, let's see. I at one point I went through like my. I was younger, but I went through like my little talk back phase. They see something, I'll say something back. Uh, learned that. Learned that wasn't going to work pretty quickly. Um, let's see. What? I'm trying to think of some stuff that I've done that's just that was bad. That got me. Yeah, got me in trouble. I've done. I've done it all, honestly. Okay, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Oh, there's a there's one scenario in the car one time. My mom was like, "Hey, go help your dad. He's putting air in the tires." I was younger, and I was like, "Help him!" Like he's just putting air in the tire. Like, I, I so I didn't go. I just stayed in the back seat. And my mom was like, "Hey, hurry up, get up, go help your dad!" Like before he's done. And I was kind of like slow motion, barely doing it, and she popped me. And ever since then, there's no, there's no, uh, he's got it. It doesn't matter what he's doing. I'm, I'm helping him out now. <laughs> if you were to enter a competitive eating contest, what could you eat a lot of? To give you an example, I would pick like Sour Patch Kids. Sour Patch Kids. I would say something with anything candy. If it's candy, I'm crushing it. I got a sweet tooth. So candy, pizza. Man, if we're doing candy though, I'm, I'm picking... I like those little, like, um, like the sour warm, like gummy worms. The trolley gummy worms. Yes, yes, those are them. Yeah, those. yeah. Me and Sour Patch Kids, really good until the side of my tongue is just completely raw. But we don't oh, need yeah. to get into that. All right, final one. What holiday does your family go all out for? Thanksgiving, for sure. Thanksgiving and Christmas. Uh, I feel like that's kind of Thanksgiving. We always have. We have too much food. I want to say like we have leftovers for like another like week after after Thanksgiving, Christmas, and just spending the time together like on gifts. It's not like all about the gifts. It's just they don't get much time all together anymore. Like my brother's doing his thing in Mexico with, with baseball. I'm here now. We're all kind of going on our own different paths. So every anytime we can get together is just special and huge. Build me your Thanksgiving plate really quickly. Um, stuffing, mashed potatoes, corn, put some turkey on there, and maybe a little bit of ham and, yeah, stack it up for a nice. And leftovers last a week? You're eating leftovers seven days later? I would say not seven days, maybe like four or five days. I mean, okay. we also got the, there's two different plates. That's, that's one plate. But then the other plate, you got like the chili beans, you got the cornbread. You got the greens. You got, yeah, that's my other plate. Thanksgiving leftover, 
leftovers can be eaten through Sat. If Thanksgiving's on Thursday, Thanksgiving leftovers can be eaten Saturday night, but Sunday you got to throw it out. It's yeah, my rule. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. There's a point. There's a point where you're like, all right, I'm sorry, mom. We're not eating. We can't do this anymore. Like, I can't do one more turkey sandwich dipped in gravy. I just can't do it. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> we all reach our breaking point. All right. Well, Austin, I really appreciate you taking the time. Best of luck the rest of the way this season with Columbia. And uh, next time you're in KC, hope you get a, a chance to enjoy it. It's a, a great organization, a great fan base. Thank you. I uh, appreciate your time and, and doing this with me. Thanks again to Austin for taking the time to talk with me on this latest edition of the Out of Options podcast as he joined me from Myrtle Beach at the time of the uh, recording. If you go look at the video portion of our interview, which you can find on not only my Twitter account, but the 610 Sports Radio Twitter account as well as Facebook. Um, must be nice sitting on the balcony overlooking Myrtle Beach talking to me. I'm sure he would have rather been doing about a thousand other things at the time. But again, really appreciate uh, Austin's time and sitting down and getting to know his story a little bit. He's a name that Royals fans are certainly going to want to keep their eye and ear on because, again, not a lot of 19-year-olds who were picked in the 20th round end up in the top 30 prospects list. Uh, just one year after being selected in the MLB draft. That'll do it for today's episode. New episode next Tuesday. Really, really excited to introduce you to this guy, um, to Royals fans, and a guy that we could be seeing make his Major League debut sooner rather than later, um, probably even 2023. So really, really excited to talk to him and to introduce you to him because he is quite the personality. Um, and I think you're really going to enjoy next week's episode. Thanks again for listening. Please remember to subscribe and download uh, on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts, 435 Podcast Network, 610sports.com. Um, but again, appreciate everyone listening, and I will talk to you next Tuesday on another episode of the Out of Options podcast.